episode number 96 of the Cozy Corner of Cinema, being recorded on Friday, um, January 26, 2024, at 4.13 p.m. I hope you guys have been having an extraordinary week, an extraordinary day, extraordinary month, an extraordinary year so far, working on your projects, working on your goals, making the most of every day that's given to us. Every day is such a blessing, and, and no day is guaranteed. So it's just so great to wake up in the morning and just, you know, get ready to, to do whatever it is we got to do, working on your novel or your film or your music album or your painting or any of your artistic and creative endeavors. It's just so wonderful to be given the opportunity every single day. You know, some days you have more abilities and time than others, than other previous days, I should say. And then some days you just just go right into it. It's just fantastic, you know. It's just been great using this time to just stay inside, get the work done, get the job done. Uh, you know, I just got I got a, a great batch of writing done these past couple of days. I'm, I'm just about finished with this current novel, and um, man, it, it's just such a great feeling to really just be, you know, standing tall with your feet on the ground, ready to take on whatever is gonna come your way, man. It's just sort of like you know, you you, you forget how how quick we're here on this earth, and just how how easy it is to, to lose hindsight and to lose life's narrative. But uh, if we stay focused and we, uh, you know, have our goals in sight and really aim to achieve those goals, then I tell you, we're going to have a really good life, man. It's four in the afternoon now. I'm drinking this delicious root beer. I don't normally drink a lot of cola, only in uh, certain situations. But, uh, my gosh, I'm trying to wake myself up. And I figure this is probably uh, faster than a... Making a coffee, even though it is quite a bit chilly, I gotta say. Um, but you don't want to have too much caffeine, too much sugar, you know. Especially if you're sitting down all day reading or watching a film. You're not going for walks. You're not, uh, you know, keeping your body moving and all that, exercising and all that. The next thing you know, it's just like, man, what the hell? I, it, everything hurts, you know. It's like, brother, it's like I gotta get up, get up off that chair, man, and make your body moving, man. I guess it's hypocritical for me to say while I'm sitting down recording this, but you know, you get the idea. So, hey, man, it's great. Uh, the um, Academy Award nominations were released this past week, um, this past Tuesday, the 23rd, and it's just been great to see, uh, you know, what films got nominated and having uh, enjoyable discussions on, uh, you know, films that got nominated, films that didn't get nominated, uh, films in the contemporary repertoire, films being brought up, people going, oh, I've been hearing good things about that, I haven't seen that yet, or, or oh, I'm not familiar with that film, i got to check it out, and uh, I, uh, it's funny, I was I was looking at just the Best Picture uh, nominees, and, and I was talking to a couple of acquaintances, they were saying, uh, talking about some actors who, who didn't get nominated, and I realized at that point, I'm like, you know, I didn't even really look over who got nominated for anything else, you know, I mean, I was just looking at Best Picture, so I, I didn't even know who was nominated for, for Best Actor, or or actress, or any of that other stuff, uh, you know, which, which is as important, but, you know, it's, it's the one that's the, you know, best picture, that's the one that, that everybody has their eyes focused on, and, you know, it's just great, and, uh, I've actually seen all ten of the best picture nominees, and last year I talked about, uh, nine out of ten of them, because there was one I hadn't seen, and still haven't seen, uh, but I have seen all ten here, so I figured briefly talk about each one of these, I'm not going to go too in-depth on them because I'm. each one of these films has been uh, put into a spotlight now. Because, hey, these are the Best Picture nominations. These are the films that you're going to want on your radar. If you haven't viewed these, you're going to want to view this one or this one or this one. You know, so it's, just, it's just great. So uh, let me get another sip here. And I guess we'll just uh, talk about the first one here. I'll go in alphabetical order uh, as is listed here. Um, let's see. First up, American Fiction. 
written and directed by Cord Jefferson and also co-written by Percival Everett. Uh, this film, so I'm not going to go too much into the plots of these films. I don't want to be too redundant and waste too much time. But Jeffrey Wright, in this film, he's playing a disgruntled writer. I love films about writers. I love films about people who are just going through a creative uh, uh, lull in their in their lives, man. They really just got to get out of this funk. And Jeffrey Wright, you know, he's a, he's a novelist, but he uh, is having his own kind of uh, issues with some of the novels of uh, contemporary black culture that he that he finds kind of puts uh, you know black people down and stuff. And there's this like one novel um, written by this actor Issa Rae or Issa Rae, and she wrote this uh, popular book, but it's very urban, and she's like kind of playing with a lot of stereotypes that he doesn't like, and he gets frustrated. Basically, he's brought to brought home. For a family situation, and uh, one night he's like, "You know what, man? I'm I've been drinking. I'm gonna write this ridiculous nonsense, uh, you know, stereotypical uh, kind of urban novel, just to shove it in their face and say this is the kind of the trite, you know, uh, writings you want. This is the kind of trite writings you're gonna get." And lo and behold, it becomes a huge success. They're saying this is exactly what we want. And he is dumbfounded. He's using an alias, and then they're making up all these things. And you know what? What I like about the film so much is that 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 is the main plot of the film is kind of this character dealing with this creative lull in his life. But and that would have been fine on its own because um, there there are plenty of great sequences poking fun at uh, kind of the the. Uh, ridiculous nature of it all. He has to play this kind of uh, this this caricature of himself. He's ha- they're saying, oh, you can't meet him. He's actually he's on the he's on the run, and everybody's after him. And it's just there's some great gags like that. But I think where the film is really strongest is really with the characters. Man, Jeffrey Wright is really phenomenal in this film, as well as um, Sterling K. Brown, who plays his brother in the film. They have a great back and forth, and Sterling Brown shows up here and there in the film. Uh, some of the other characters include uh, John Ortiz, who has, a, who has a really good role in the film, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, who's in the film for a while. And uh, w- what it really comes down to is that it could have easily sort of fell back on a lot of the uh, big kind of um, obvious statements to make. Uh, it still would have been enjoyable, but what I like so much about the film is that it goes that extra step, that you have these really interesting relationships with these characters. I don't want to get too much into the, into the specifics. Um, if I really had one only real complaint about the film is that I, I uh, it's something, it's something that happens that, that in the first act. And it they really kind of goes away fast. I'm thinking, oh man, this is really this is uh, this is a real dent in the character's kind of uh, life. You know how are they gonna deal with this? And it's just sort of like after a couple scenes later, you you forget that even happened. I'm just like, brother, what what's going on here? And uh, you know, in a film like this, you know, it's, it's hey, he's single, and the woman across the street, hey, she also happens to be single and around his age, and and you know, you can forgive it. I mean, films are built on for a lot of the times coincidences and having to get characters in a certain place. You know, I will say that. It was a film that I had seen recently that was making me laugh, and I won't say the name of the film because actually it wasn't a bad film, but I wasn't crazy about it. I don't like to dog on films either, but I just I thought it was funny in comparison. Now I'm trying to be kind of vague in case you know people know what film it is or not. But you have this character who is almost entirely by himself. There's no one else around, and but lo and behold, there is another character who is also single, who is also gay, who is also his same similar age range. And I went, my God, man, this guy should play the lottery or buy some scratch tickets because what kind of freaking coincidence is that man it was so ridiculous and so unbelievable that it was i was waiting for the hat to drop that something else is going on and it never did and i thought gosh that is just such 
oh man, I don't want a dog in the film. You know, I don't want a dog in any film. I mean, I'd rather if I'm gonna if you're gonna lend me your ears for thirty minutes, I want to turn you guys on to some good films. But I'm just saying that's just so what not to do, man. Whereas a case like this, it's uh, more believable because we are in a town, but uh, you enjoy the character so much that you're able to get past the coincidence. But um, uh, really, just uh, a funny, enjoyable film. I just I, I I thought this was really terrific. Definitely deserving of the best picture nomination. Moving on from there, uh, the Palm Door winner. Uh, really terrific film as well. Anatomy of a Fall, written and directed by Justine Triet and co-written by Arthur Harari or Harari. I'm not good with names. Starring Sandra Hewler, who I've mentioned the show before, has become just a really terrific actor in many films I've seen of hers, um, including I'm Your Man and In the Isles. Uh, you know, she's really terrific, different kind of roles in both those films. And this plays out like a great mystery of her husband who is found dead at their um, at the at their lodge, and you gotta you know. Um, they got to figure out whether or not it was a suicide or whether uh, Sandra, main character, <coughs> played by Sandra Hewler, had anything to do with it if it was a possible murder. And it plays as equal part of mystery as it does a courtroom drama. And really engaging courtroom drama, too. This film is about two and a half hours, but it's, it's so engaging, man. Um, now, with this film, you got to kind of, and I kind of, you know, my only real complaint with the film, and I'm talking about a big complaint, there is a moment in this film where they have to get exposition out. And the only way they do it is they explain it in the most ridiculous way of having a recording that just so happened to be there. And I said, are you kidding me, man? There, What kind of... This character should play the lottery. You get some scratch tickets. What kind of exposition is this, man, where it's just... Wow. You got it at the right place at the right time. And I said, are you kidding me on this? Now, that's my only real complaint because this is so wonderfully made. It's so engaging. And I'm unfamiliar with the actor. I, I apologize. I don't know his name. But the actor who plays the other lawyer has a great back and forth between him and Sandra Huller. And uh, I, I, I do apologize. I wish I had that actor's name here. But he's so good in the film. And the son as well uh, adds, adds a mix to... Um, uh, the complications of this all. Just a really solid, uh, uh, engaging mystery uh, courtroom drama. Great performance by Sandra Hewler. I believe she may have actually been nominated as well for Best Actress. You think I, I should probably look these up uh, and, and not make generalized statements, but I think I would assume she did. Uh, let's go to the time here, make sure I'm not going over my allotted time. So, okay, got 10 minutes there. Uh, actress, actress. She was nominated. Very cool. All right. Very, very cool. Let me get another sip of this beverage here. All right, third film up. I'm going to try to not rush through these, but I realize I just spent five minutes with both those films, so I'm not going to have enough time so to get through all these. So I'm going to have to rush through maybe a couple of these. Not be as in-depth as I would have liked, but third film, box office titan of the year. I Probably one of the highest grossing films of the year domestically. Greta Gerwig, uh, written and directed by Greta Gerwig and co-written by Noah Baumbach, is Barbie with Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, uh, Issa Rae, or Issa Rae again, from American Fiction, and who is that actor? Uh, what the hell is her name? America Ferrara, Ferrara, I think is her name. It's not coming up here. I think it's going by appearance in the film. But yes, uh, most talked about film of the year, I would say. 
uh, Barbie. Yeah, you know, I don't even think I need to go too much into that into into depth with this. This has been very talked about. Uh, it made a lot of money at the box office, and you know, I got to say. Uh, the production design on this is fantastic. I mean, just looking at all the sets in this when they're in the Barbie world early on in the first 30 minutes, it all looks like, it, like a different world. So when Barbie and Ken go into our world, the real world, real world, it actually feels like they're coming into another world. You know, it's, it's so well done. And the costume design as well, absolutely fantastic. I loved all of uh, Barbie's different dresses when she goes to the real world. She's wearing this cowboy suit. Ken has this ridiculous getup. And it's so enjoyable in that aspect. Um, you know, I will say... I, I... I think there's a lot of this film that I do like a lot, but there's a lot. That, I mean, this is a populist film. This is a very big Hollywood film, and because of that, this is the script is designed that it needs to appeal to everybody. You you can't have anything, any ambiguities. You can't have any subtleties, um, in terms of getting your point across in the film. And I think that's where my issue kind of lies with the film is that. Uh, the script is is not that good. It's, it's just very big. There's like I said, there's no subtlety. Um, uh, even the plot structure of it is very awkward. We're getting to the third act, and they and they almost have to rush through it. They have this ridiculous dance number, uh, which doesn't serve any kind of function to the plot. You're going through this dance number, and then they're just rushing through the end. It's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, um, I, this is I I didn't just, I didn't really get a whole lot out of this film, man. I mean, I could see just the hard work put on display here. I got a lot of laughs in the film, a lot of laugh out loud moments in the film, and I'm seeing this film by myself, so that's always uh, you know a good mark of whether or not a film is actually funny or not. If you're seeing it by yourself and laughing out loud, I mean, I did see this theatrically about a month or two after it had been released, but uh, yeah, I, I wasn't. You know, there's a lot of things I like about the film, but I think there's there's a lot that's just wasn't done very well. I think it's a very broad film. It's a very, I mean, it's a very Hollywood film. And I, I putting it amongst these other films, I, I, it, this seems kind of out of place to me. Um, it, this is besides the, the, I mean, Greta Gerwig does a, does a solid job directing, um, you know, everything, the sets look great. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are both very good in the film. All the acting is, is good. I, I think really just my issue, uh, is with the script. It's just very, um, there's not a lot of subtlety in this, and I think when it came to the whole Barbie, the Barbie Oppenheimer thing, um, I, I kind of look at two sides of the coin on how these films kind of treat and trust the audience of uh, having to tell you what the point of the film is, while the other is is trusting a little bit more. And it's a different kind of film. Obviously, one's a historical drama, one's a light kind of comedy. Um, but I just it just wasn't uh, wasn't really for me. But the holdovers, Alexander Payne's new film. I think I talked about this briefly on the show. Um, wonderful, wonderful film. This was one of the strongest films I've seen this year. Uh, directed by Alexander Payne, written by David Hemmingson, and I think I've now seen all of Alexander Payne's directed feature films. I've seen. Let me go through the list here, uh, making sure. Ooh, sorry about that. Making sure I have time on here. Got, all right, I got time. Uh, what the hell? I've seen. I've not seen The Passion of Martin. I've not seen Citizen Ruth. I've seen Election. I've seen The Belt Schmidt. I've seen Sideways. I'm not counting Paris, I Love You. That's an anthology. I've seen The Descendants. I've seen Nebraska. I've seen Downsizing. And I've seen The Holdovers. And I said it when I initially saw it. So I think this was my favorite of his work since Sideways. And I still... 
stand true to that. I haven't seen Nebraska in quite some time, but I remember being a really big fan of that film. A wonderful comedy drama. Paul Giamatti, Devine Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sessa all just play so great off each other. There's the three of them are just kind of uh, left as hold. I mean, uh, Angus is, is this kid whose uh, Ma won't come pick him up, and he's just stuck at this uh, college with Paul Giamatti, who people don't really like. He's sort of a pain, but uh, you know they all start to grow with each other, and not a cliched way. There's more complexities to the characters. Devine um, or Divine, I don't know how to say her name. Devine or Divine, Joy Randolph. That's one of the strongest sequences in the film. There's a great sequence at a party. Who the other actor? I want to get his name. Who? Uh, Nahim Garcia plays Danny, who's a janitor. They have a really great emotional scene at this party that's so well done. I mean, I I, I don't remember if I talked about this more on the show or not, but what a wonderful, touching, just heartfelt, hilarious and dramatic, but such a great film, man. One of the strongest of 2023, definitely, and one of the strongest in, in Alexander Payne's filmography. This is now streaming on Peacock, by the way, so if you're interested in watching it, there is that. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. i got to kind of rush through these now. I spent too much time on them. Killers of the Flower Moon. Martin Scorsese's brand new film based off the book. Actually, we get that name up here. Killers of the Flower Moon. Also now on Apple, i got to say. Directed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, written by Martin Scorsese, Eric Roth, and David Grant. Oh, I think one of them may have written the book this was based off of. So I want to make sure I get that correct. But again, and when I'm talking about this, okay, David Grant did write the book. Uh, that this was based off of. What I'm saying, again, with this film and a film like Oppenheimer is that we're just so lucky and fortunate to be able to exist at a time when, uh, amidst the spectacle films that flood contemporary theatrical cinemas, we get films like Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer, films with true artistry made by filmmakers who can command budgets and stars of this size. Uh, This is just such a terrific saga of just this town that is uh, systematically uh, getting rid of these Native Americans that are there because of the oil on the land. We follow main character uh, Ernest Burkhardt, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who is, uh, is something of a simpleton, and he uh, forms a relationship with Molly Burkhardt, played by the wonderful Lily Gladstone in this, and they have a great back and forth. I keep saying that, but it really is true. De Niro, uh, Robert De Niro is in the film as well, playing William Hale, and uh, the complicated relationship he has with him and Ernest. Uh, and, you know, it's just a great saga of a film. It, it comes in at about three and a half hours, but I can I can confidently say I was, I was engaged for the entire day. But I, I've only seen it once theatrically. This is on Apple now, so I would like to rewatch this, absolutely. This is a film that I think you got to let sit with you for a while because there is so much film, there is so much character, so much story that I'll be the first to admit that I did get a little lost with some of the character connections in this, but it just it's just so great that we're still getting just brilliant works like this from uh, Scorsese. Uh, a terrific, terrific film, uh, and I really hope this does get a physical release as well. I know that uh, I, I could see this getting a criterion with um, since, you know, the Irishman got a criterion and all that, and Scorsese does so much work with them. It's just, it's just great. Uh, Maestro. Pull up that, pull that up here. M-A-E-S-T-R-O. Starring, uh, written and directed by Bradley Cooper, co-written by Josh Singer, starring Bradley Cooper, Carrie Mulligan, as uh, Bradley Cooper's playing Leonard Bernstein, and we follow his life up to a certain point. He wants to be a uh, composer. He gets a call one day, hey, if you're prepared, you can get down here right now. We can, uh, You can compose this orchestra, and you better believe. He jumps out of bed, he runs out the house, and he commands the orchestra and cements his legacy as one of the greatest 
composers of all time. And this is a film that you see Bradley Cooper's dedication. You see just how much research he went into this, the costume design, the set design. You can see the real love he has for Leonard Bernstein. You know, and I think that is maybe stronger than the film quality itself. There's a lot to be admired with the film. Um, but I, I do think that it doesn't totally work for me. The first 30 minutes were nauseating, man. It, it was the same issue I had with the Fablemans, and the same issue I have with a lot of films, where when actors are playing characters from a certain period of time, they feel like they have to act like a character in a, in a 40s film at that time. Everybody's playing it so big, and it just, it's just like, it doesn't even feel like real people. They feel like caricatures. And while I, I like the Fablemans to a certain extent, that was my biggest problem with the film, is that there is no, it doesn't feel like uh, anyone is a real person in that film. Everyone's playing it like they're Cary Grant. It's just ridiculous. It's nonsense. Um, and I had that problem with this here, and I'm sitting in the cinema, I'm like, oh my gosh, is, is this going to be the film? Am I going to have to sit here for two hours and watch this, this, this cartoon portrayal of all these people? I'm happy to say that it does get better. The strongest part of the film is Leonard and Felicia's um, relationship and the troubles they have. Leonard's messing around with other dudes, and Felicia is trying to stay faithful to him, but she has her own kind of complications, and they're pursuing their own kind of careers. You can see the heart, you can see the passion that Bradley Cooper put into it. I just don't think it totally works for me. I think the camera work is a little bit too showy and a little bit too big for this. It, it, like, like I was saying before, there's not a lot of... There's times where there are very quiet, subtle moments. There's a really great moment, actually, at the end of the film with Carrie Mulligan's character in bed. That's very well done. Um, but I just didn't totally connect with this film. But, but you know, it, it's not a bad film by any means. It, it's very well done. You know, like you see the chemistry. You see the heart, the passion. It, it just, I just it wasn't totally... Um, wasn't totally invested in the film, but not bad. Definitely not bad. Uh, Oppenheimer, I'll be brief about because I've talked about it on the show. I mean, this was the best film of 2023, undoubtedly, in my opinion. Um, Christopher Nolan, is. this is, I, I don't want to use the M word because it's just so still so brand new, but I think this, of all his films, I think this is the one that more so than it, the, the Batman films or Inception or anything like that. Uh, I think this is the one where you see a filmmaker over time just building to this, his magnum opus. And um, even though I know I love... I love Tenet, I love Dunkirk, actually Dunkirk's probably my favorite of his work, but I love Dunkirk, I love Interstellar, that's all great, but with Oppenheimer, he's taking a three-hour historical R-rated epic and making a film truly for adults. This is not a spectacle film like many people probably wished it was. This is a far more of a character film of characters debating the moral conundrum of the situation that they're in, uh, what it means to be a patriot, what it means to turn your back on your country, you know, if you should. There's this a great moment in the film when... Um, in the last act when Einstein is talking to uh, Robert about how he had to leave Germany amidst, you know, with, with the rising of the Third Reich. And just a, a smart, uh, with, oh, my God, the score as well by Ludwig. Um, I want to make sure I get his name because he did the score as well for Tenet, which was one of the, just a brilliant score for that film. Uh, let me get the name here. Ludwig uh, Goranson. And there's also a great hour making of on the Blu-ray of this film that I'd recommend watching as well. I mean, this is just, there was nothing even close to this film, in my opinion, for 2023. This is, this is a film I've seen a couple times now. was uh, fortunate enough to see it on IMAX 70mm, and this is just truly one of the highlights of the 21st century so far, which is such a ridiculous and grand statement to make, but... Every time I've watched this film, I, I just truly am just like, wow, man, this this is cinema right here. This is true, true cinema. Past Lives, what a great way to see that this was getting nominated. I saw this in the middle of the year, and this got a lot of critical acclaim, but kind of came and went. I didn't hear a whole lot of talk about it. This was um, written and directed by Celine Song, starring Greta Lee, T.U., and John Magaro. A great, uh, spanning, complicated possible relationship between these two characters from a young age. Nora, played by Greta Lee, and Hae Sung, uh, played by T.O.U. Uh, 
when there are children uh, to when they go away and they come back at another point and then they come back at another point and the complicated relationship that is there. Um, what I like about the film so much is that, like I said before, I mean, this is a film truly made for adults. The awkward um, character moments in this where we have Arthur, played by John Magaro, who... He's aware that, uh, you know, hey, Sung is coming back into her life and, and she's trying to tell him, like, no, this is just an old thing. I'm still in love with you, but he's still feeling like a, like a, on the outside. And there's When you get to the third act of just the some moments in there are just so heartfelt, so touching. I mean, I don't know who, who distributed this. Was this A24? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, I, this is, if, if, if someone was like, hey, man, f- top five uh, strongest A24 films, I probably couldn't give you a top five because a couple are coming to my mind, but... But Past Lives is up there. I think this is a, this is actually a, a brilliant film, and it was just so great to see this nominated for Best Picture because for people who maybe uh, uh, skipped out on it, um, this will give a little bit more attention to it. Uh, second to last, actually, we're making good time here. I am kind of rushing through this. I keep saying, but because I'm not, I can't go too in depth on a lot of these, but I do want to mention them. Yargos Lanthimos' new film, uh, written by Tony McNamara and Alistair Gray, Poor Things. Starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Yemi Youssef, and I was surprised, or it was cool to see Catherine Hunter in the film. Uh, you may remember her as one of the witches, or the main witch, from The Tragedy of Macbeth. When she pops up in the second half of this film, I was like, yeah, oh, that's great. She's in the film. That's fantastic. Along with Margaret Qualley and Christopher Abbott, who were actually were in uh, the film Sanctuary earlier this year, which was an interesting film as well. A great uh, sort of Frankenstein sort of story. Mark, um, Willem Dafoe plays his doctor who's able to bring Emma Stone back to life and she has some cognitive issues her brain is slowly developing and um, uh, Willem Dafoe takes a uh, student Yanni Rousseff under his wing to kind of uh, observe and see this character and the complications that arise when this character Duncan played by Mark Ruffalo comes in and wants to take advantage of her and then from there it's the whole new world of Bella Baxter discovering herself discovering what it means to be human and I'll be upfront. And I'll say this isn't one of my favorite Yorgos films, but my gosh, what I've seen before, it's so, so great. We get to we get new films from Yorgos Anthemos because the pure imagination and creativity that goes into every single frame of this film is something to be marveled at. Because with this film, I feel like my main thing is that I'm kind of similar on this that I was to The Lobster, where I think the first act of the film is all great. It was actually all the stuff early on in the mansion with the three characters was all like some of Yorgos' best stuff. Where the film does lose me a little bit is when they leave, when Emma Stone goes off and to the real into the other world. I think that stuff is good in its own right, but whenever it would cut back to him, the foe and Yemi Rami Youssef, that was where I found the most interesting stuff, and I wish that we spent more time with those characters. But um, costume design, set design, there's a lot of humor in this film. Yami I can't say his name right. Rami Youssef has one line in the film that made me laugh so hard, and I was the only person who laughed in theater at this. And my gosh, man, I didn't even feel bad. I had a hard belly laugh that caught me off guard. No one else in the theater laughed, and it was like, man, you know, they, they got me. But it's a wonderful film as well. Um, I think I, my only, I mean, my, my major problem when it comes to, like, the third act is, like, the film is wrapping up. And I'm like, okay, okay, this film's wrapping up. And then it introduces another character. And I'm like, my God, man, we're getting to the same conclusion. Why are we putting this character in this film? And then it goes on for, like, 20 minutes, and I'm like, Man, what are we doing here? But the ending is great. Uh, to me, I've heard comparisons of this to Barbie in terms of some of his messages. And where this film exceeds and Barbie doesn't is trusting the audience and the message of the film to get to the point of what he's trying to say. And this does it so wonderfully. 
And it's a film that I've actually been, I've actually, my opinion has gone up since I've seen it. I'm very interested in watching it again at some point. Um, but this is a very good film as well. And Yoros Anthemos, I mean, just great to, great to have a new film by him. And last one, gotta wrap this up quick. Zone of Interest, Jonathan Glazer's brand new spanking film. First of all, in 10 years, last film is was The Brilliant Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. This is written and directed by Jonathan Glazer, co-written by Martin Amos, starring, once again, Sandra Hewler from Anatomy of a Fall, as well as this fellow, what the hell's his name, Christian Friedel, playing this character, Rudolf Hoss. And, um... It's a great film. It's a really solid film as well. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know how much plot you really want to give away of this because it's less about the plot and more about the situation. But it's these characters who uh, are living right... I don't know if they were outside or if they were right in Auschwitz. I, I, I couldn't exactly tell, but they're surrounded by the, by the camps, by the gas chambers. There's constantly something happening. And when you watch this film, listen to the sound design. There's almost there's almost no moments in the film with, with true silence because you hear a kind of rumbling underneath like an irreversible, not quite as, as extreme as that rumbling, but just a sort of like in the background. It's very subtle. You need to turn up your TV or whatever. But it is a really solid film. There's always this sense of danger and commotion. There's always a baby crying or a scream in the distance. Or there's always something happening. Uh, the and I will say as well, the ending of this is really great as well. What they decide to do. It's a film that takes its time. Uh, and I think for the most part that works. I do think it drags a little bit in the third act. In third act, when one of the characters goes off to a different point and starts interacting with other characters, that's maybe the only part of the film that I thought really kind of faltered and didn't really totally work for me but the ending is great and it all comes together very well i mean we have just you know just just we have such terrific filmmakers here man we have jonathan glazer and martin scorsese and um and you know it's just so great to see these films and 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 just see the true kind of artistry that they bring to it just really making uh uh the the the, the art of film something far bigger than just a, a casual event to go eat you know greasy food and then go home and then you know forget all about it it's just one these just wonderful films uh and i've got to write i gotta rush this because i'm running out of time so let's talk about some films but obviously i don't have that kind of time so thank you guys for listening i can see where some of these films are available uh we'll come back when the oscars are on and we'll talk about some of it uh who won who lost i don't you know maybe i don't know i'm really interested in best picture to be honest but uh all right, that's all I got. Thank you guys so much for listening. Follow your dreams. The day is yours. Seize the day. God bless. All that good stuff.